Ah, yes, you are listening to WFDU HT3, the student voice of Fairleigh Dickinson University. And this is the Night Zone. It is 10 a.m. Eastern Time on October the 25th here in Teaneck. And we're going to talk about some FDU sports. Just heard the fight song play. It's a song that's been playing a lot lately because a lot of winning has been going on on campus. Fall sports are winding down. Women's soccer ends their regular season on Thursday. Women's soccer, or men's soccer, I should say, ends next week. And women's volleyball has just five games remaining in the regular season. Yeah, it's been a good fall season so far. Coming off a fall season in 2022 where three NEC championships were won. You think it's going to be hard to follow that up, but these teams are in a pretty good position. And we got a good show for you today. We got a guest I am extremely excited about. Spencer King, the 2022 NEC Goalkeeper of the Year. The FDU Men's Soccer Goalkeeper, graduate student from Ottawa, Ontario, Canada. We'll be joining the show in just a few minutes. We're going to talk about a lot of things with him. Somebody I'm really pumped about having on. I think he's going to be an excellent guest. And yeah, stay tuned for that. Talked a lot about fall sports ending, though. You know what the biggest indication is? There's a certain sport that's back. If you turned on TNT last night, you saw it. If you were on social media, you start seeing predictions, games to watch articles, preseason all-conference honors being handed out. Yep. Leaves are changing colors, and it's getting too cold to play sports outside. But, fortunately... This is a sport that's played inside. Oh, yes, basketball is here, and hoops are back on the Hackensack. Saturday, FDU women's basketball team gets their season going with a home exhibition against Malloy. The men's team kicks off their year on the road on November 6th at Buffalo. It's right around the corner. And yesterday, the NEC had their social media day at the Prudential Center. I was fortunate enough to be able to attend the event for the first time. It was a really cool day. The conference does an excellent job. And shout out to the Prudential Center for hosting the event. It's obviously in Newark where the New Jersey Devils play their ice hockey. FDU was represented on the men's side by head coach Jack Castleberry, Ansley Almanor, and Joe Munden. And then on the women's side, Steph Gately, Abby Babore, and Abby Conklin. And you can follow... The NEC at NEC Sports and FDU at Knights Athletics on social media to see some of the highlights of the day that I'm sure will be uh, continue to be put out on social media as we get going. What I took away from an FDU basketball perspective is that there's this sense of familiarity on both the men's and women's side, despite a lot of newness in both teams. First-year head coaches on both sides. Jack Castleberry talked a lot about utilizing the same aspects of their system from last year and bringing back a number of starters and rotational players and building off of that success. You know, you see so many teams in this day and age of a transfer-heavy world have big success. Smaller schools like FDU who had, have big success like FDU did last year. You lose your head coach, all of a sudden, 
It's a brand new team the next year. It's hard to sustain any sort of momentum from previous success when there's a complete changing of the guard. But FDU, fortunately, they're not going to have that problem. Jack Castleberry was on the staff last year, of course. He brought back everybody that could have been brought back, including Joe Munden and Ansley Almanor. Talked about the upcoming season yesterday. Joe Munden talked a lot about just being the best version of himself for his teammates. And I liked what Ansley said. They asked him, why stay at FDU? You know, you lose your head coach. Ansley had an excellent year last year. He could have went somewhere else, but why stay? Ansley gave a good answer. Talked about the family side of it. Said it was bigger than basketball. Him and Jack have a relationship bigger than basketball. He said that Coach Castleberry told him, you know, Ansley, I want to be at your wedding one day. So just very cool to see that from a head coach. You got to think that culture will permeate through the locker room and lead to success. On the women's side, they lost all the starters. And they also lost Coach Shumiwa. They bring back both Abbeys, Abby Conklin and Babore. They bring back Allie McGinn. And now they bring in Steph Gately, a first-year head coach. But she just has so much experience. I got a chance to talk to her for a long time. The stories that she can tell are incredible. She's got the 12th most wings among active head coaching. Two NCAA tournament appearances. She has that relationship with Coach Shumiwa. They coached together back at Fordham where Coach Ange was her assistant. So the basketball side of things feels very similar. And you combine that with this fresh start, it's hard not to be excited about it. Both Abby Conklin and Abby Babore talked a lot about embracing their new roles as leaders, not shying away from that, but they made sure to mention how quickly this entire group was meshing so well. So we will see. I'm pumped for basketball. It's right around the corner. We're going to talk a lot more about basketball next week. But first, we're going to take a break, and we come back. FDU men's goalkeeper Spencer King will join the Night Zone. Back here on the Night Zone on 89.1 WFDU HD3. It is 1014 Eastern Time in Teaneck, and you're listening to Charlie Carbonetto. And now I am joined by a very special guest, FDU men's soccer goalkeeper Spencer King. And Spencer, thanks for coming on. It's a pleasure. It's a pleasure to be here. I uh, haven't done anything like this before, but I'm happy to be on here. Happy to be the first year on the, on the, the Night's podcast. And uh, yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. And I'll uh, give you a little bit of an introduction. You're about to play in your 50th career game a little bit later at Drexel today. You have 20 shutouts, six coming this year. You have a save percentage over 80% this year, allowing 1.09 goals per game. 2022 NEC Goalkeeper of the Year, member of the 2022 Double NEC Champions. Perhaps some more hardware coming your way in the next couple of weeks. And you've had a fantastic career as a Knight. Starting to wind down, though. Playoffs right around the corner. Have you been reflecting about it all coming to the end, or are you someone that just stays laser-focused on the task at hand and you're going to save that reflecting for after the season? 
Yeah, I, I, I try to not to think about the future too much before, you know, we get the, we get the job done because really the only thing on my mind right now is is finishing up the regular season and then going into the postseason play. Um, but, you know, it does, you know, that, that question does come up and uh, I do ask myself, talk with my family and stuff, what I'm going to be doing. But uh, no, I'm I'm pretty much focused only on on the season right now. Yeah, so your junior year, you lost in the semifinals. Last year, you climbed to the top, win the NEC. And I always say it's it's really hard to win championships in sports, but it's even harder is defending that title. So that brings me to a two-part question. Is how has your team approach changed, if at all, when defending a title versus sort of chasing one? And what has it been like playing against teams with, I would say, a target on your guys' back? I mean, this is an unbelievable run that you guys are on. 16 straight NEC matches coming away with a win or draw. How has it been, you know, when you head into these matches, knowing you're going to get the best from the other team? Like, everybody wants to take you guys down. Yeah, you know, it's a uh, it's bit of a different expectation for ourselves. I, I'd say it like that. Um, you know, before we were trying to, it's been, it was a, few years since we we got that NEC title the first time um was you know when I was a freshman here I was redshirting I was in 2019 but uh yeah last year we were we were trying to win it and then this year coming in it was just a bit of a different mentality um we we knew that we had a target on our back and uh you know we're up for that task um it's something good to have um but you know we we don't we don't focus too much on that we focus on you know getting the job done on the field and then you know the rest will play out if you take care of business there and going off of that you guys currently do sit in second place right in the thick of it again two NEC games remaining a couple of wins couple of draws this month most recently on Sunday where do you guys feel like you're at uh heading into this final week of the season do you feel like you're a group that's played your best soccer yet you know what um as the season goes on we're we're always trying to improve so um I would like to say we've had some complete performances we've had some you know non-complete performances but you know that that happens it's it's a short season with with a lot of games and so I think we always want to go into each game thinking you know what we're going to have our best game yet and uh, you know hopefully our preparation will reflect that but uh, you know what we we want to save you know every game wants to be uh, our best game but uh, definitely as these important games come we want to get you know three points each game that's for sure and now I want to talk a little bit about goalkeeping in general this is my first year following FDU soccer it's my first fall on campus here and from my perspective admittedly not a not a giant soccer fan or know too much about the sport inside and out but you're not a team that's ever going to be super aggressive offensively. You rely on sound defense. You stay in structure, wait for the offensive opportunities to come, and just sort of trusting that your style is going to end up in results. So as a goalkeeper that quarterbacks the defense, do you ever feel pressure playing this way, knowing you know you really have to run a very sound unit game in and game out? Yeah, um, when we talk about pressure, I mean, I've I've been here for a few years. Um, I've, I've played a decent amount of games. I wouldn't say I really feel pressure per se, just because, um, you know, I'm confident in our preparation and my, my personal preparation, uh, preparation, but also, you know, in the preparation of our back line, we, we have some great new guys and we have some veterans as well. And, uh, I don't know, I think, um, you know, our confident play style out of the back, it's, it's something we're we're really prideful on, and uh, no, I I think we talk about pressure. Um, 
you know, there's always going to be pressure going into each game. But personally, I, I don't feel too much of the pressure. I just try to go out there and, and enjoy it and uh, think of every day like it's practice. And in practice, there's no pressure. You want to win every single, every rep, every, every uh, action. And, and, you know, that's how I go out every time. And those talked about improving and training, the numbers have pointed towards you that you've gotten better almost every year. Can you talk a little bit about your mindset and your training process? Like, how do you make sure that you are constantly doing the right things? And how do you make sure that you're constantly improving? And lastly, where do you feel like you've grown the most as a goalkeeper in your time at FDU? Um, talking about, um, you know, the last couple of years, I think I've really tried to focus on, you know, whatever my weaknesses are. When I, when I came in, I was a young keeper. I, uh, wasn't as confident, um, in, in college soccer, there's a lot of balls whipped into the box, a lot of action. And, uh, you know, I was like, the only way that I'm going to be confident on the field is if I work every single day at that. And so, you know, at the start, it wasn't pretty. Training sometimes were not pretty, but um, once you once you get the reps in, you build build a bit of layer of of confidence with yourself. Um, and and just going on to your second question, there, I think that's kind of my strong suit where I have shown the most is um, you know being a confident presence for my backline. When when your backline can trust you, um, they trust the guy behind them they play with confidence as well. So it kind of translates in between the goalkeeper and the back line. And what does your off-season look like in training-wise? I mean, off-season, during the winter, um, I, I try to taper down a little bit at the end um, just to give my body some time to recover. You know, we're we're playing on, on turf every day. It's it's not easy on your body. You're, you're slamming yourself against the ground. Um, but, you know, that I'm back in the gym focusing on trying to uh you know get my explosiveness my my quick feet trying to really uh, add to everything i've got right now you know i'm not doing anything crazy um but i'm just kind of adding layers and layers onto what i've already done yeah. it's evident that you love your sport and you love your position and being a goalkeeper uh, from a sports fan perspective is so unique especially a keeper in collegiate soccer where you carry such a major responsibility and goals are few and far between what would you say your favorite part about being a goalkeeper is? Like, what is it that you love about it that drives you to work so hard and constantly improve? I think what I what I love about it is that um, you know there's no hiding. Um, a lot of times, you know, if if you're an outfield player, um, you're able to to hide a little bit. But as a keeper, um, you know, there's there's two sides of that. You can you're not able to hide, and you're going to be exposed for your weaknesses, and so. On the other side of that, if you work on your weaknesses and if you try to be a polished goalkeeper, um, y- those things will come out, and you'll you're not going to be exposed. If that if that makes sense, um, you know my my favorite thing is of course making big saves, um, being dependable for my backline. But uh, yeah, I, I I think it's 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 a tough question to ask what what my favorite thing about right. being a goalkeeper is. But uh, yeah, yeah, and you just mentioned. Um you like like sort of having being dependable is that something that came over time I imagine starting out as a goalkeeper that's something that or is that something that how should I phrase this that 
you've always kind of had within you like you you like being depended upon back there yeah i think in you know i've i've grown up playing hockey i played a bit of football as well and uh, I, I was a quarterback in football and i was a de- i was a defenseman in in hockey and i've always felt like you know i don't want um if if something's going to go wrong i'm i'm okay with it being on my shoulders i don't want to be the one you know on the sideline not not having any control so regardless of the outcome i want that to be you know if if we have a good game if we get a clean sheet you know i hope some of that is because of me and and vice versa if we have a loss you know i'm fine with taking that responsibility and i think that that's kind of the person i i am i'm i'm a very self-accountable person and and i pride myself on being pretty disciplined so um i i feel like if there's heat coming on us um i'm i'm able to take it and and uh you know some guys are not able to do that but that's just different personality types so that's one of the reasons right i i do think that is a rare uh characteristic and why you've been able to have so much success at the Division one level. Want to shift gears a little bit here. For those who don't know, Spencer has built a pretty significant TikTok following. You can follow Spence the goal the GK at on TikTok. Join twenty three thousand others in following him. You do a lot of training videos, POV in game videos, POV pre game videos, uh, questions and answers. You interact with a lot of your followers. I just discovered it a couple weeks ago. I was scrolling on tiktok i was like oh there's there's spencer i looked at the page i was like oh 100,000 views oh man 100,000 likes and i was like oh wow this is this is pretty impressive i would love to talk to him about this how did this all start um you know what i mean any goalkeeper out there if you're on youtube or on tiktok you probably you've seen uh, uh there's a guy named ben foster he just retired um from the english premiership i mean he was at wrexham for his last season um, he, he did these videos, kind of goalkeeper vlogs and stuff. And, and you know what, um, goalkeeper, it's, it's a pretty unique position. And, you know, there's a lot of people that, you know, it's, it's hard being a goalkeeper. You feel, you feel like you're alone out there sometimes. And, uh, you know, sometimes you feel like your teammates, your team hates you. You're on the bench. It's a, t- it's a tough place to be. And, and, uh, I've been there when I was younger and, uh, you know, I'll, I'll probably be there again, feeling that loneliness one, one another time in my my, my career but uh you know i i just wanted to um you know show people you know a bit behind how it is being like you know a, a collegiate goalkeeper um soccer player and uh i just thought it was something fun to do um you know something that i don't see much of and uh you know it's it's gotten some good uh good feedback i i have lots of people asking me questions and and i love helping people out i love helping out young goalkeepers because you know a lot of the times they don't have someone giving them you know genuine advice um you know I try to, you know, instill a bit of that that discipline and accountability into young goalkeepers um, because I know that's what it takes to, uh, you know, excel in this position. And do you have any background in editing videos or anything like that? Did you do anything uh, sort of in this field beforehand or did, was this something that you just sort of picked up and you're sort of learning with uh, as you go? I mean, I've I, I've dabbled a little bit. I've I've edited a few videos. I made some videos, you know, um, around around different stuff. But you know, this is the first time I I've you know done videos like this, and I've been learning a lot. You know, video editing it's it's really fun. You know, you're learning not just about you know goalkeeping all these things, but you're learning a valuable skill as well. So I I think it's fun. It's I'm learning as I go, and uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, you do do a great job of editing these videos. It's it's really good content. Um, 
23,000 followers and uh, the amount of views that you get at a smaller school like FDU is impressive. When did you start to see the following grow and did it surprise you at all when you, you started to see these videos sort of take off? Yeah, I mean, I actually started my account. Um, it was like when we were in California first week. Oh, we were, so this year. Yeah, this year, maybe a, maybe a month and a half ago. And I had zero followers. I just like stuck, got the camera, stuck it on and, and I just put a video out that it took me like five minutes to edit. And instantly got like 50,000 views and I was like okay this is this is something so I just did it again kept doing it and then I did the the before the game you know the um and then eventually I've last couple games I've been putting the the GoPro in the net and uh yeah it's it was kind of an instant just like reaction and I was like all right maybe I'll I'll keep doing this and uh if I didn't see that reaction I don't know maybe maybe I wouldn't have kept doing it but uh I I think it's just something fun fun that i wanted to to keep doing yeah yeah and those uh the pov and the nets are probably my favorite videos on your page they're very cool to see how you communicate um with your back line and going off of that you are very vocal as a goalkeeper and you see these in this videos and that's what i like it's almost like having you mic'd up up there because i'm watching from the box i'm seeing you point and stuff but i i can't really make out what you're saying so when i when i see you in net doing these on tiktok it's very cool and you're very assertive in communicating with your defenders, and that's something that's not always seen in goalkeepers. So why is this so important, and was this something that always came easy for you, being that assertive in communicating? Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you a little story about that. Um, when, I, when I was younger, I had a, a goalkeeper coach, a Romanian goalkeeper coach, Andre Bedescu, um, great guy and he was you know he's six foot seven like 250 pounds massive guy very assertive guy and you know he was the first one to really tell me that you know as a goalkeeper you need to be communicating you have to instill a presence um with your back line and i also had when i was like 12 years old i i had one of the moms um of one of my teammates she would just tell me every game how much she loved that i would talk to the players and i don't know a little bit of that stuck with me and uh i just kept learning kept learning about um what to say when to say it and and how to say it and i think those are three really important things um and you know if I ever say anything, um, I'm not trying to be mean to people. I mean, you know, once in a while, I'll, I'll, you know, give them a, a bit of a, a harsh comment. But you know, that's not personal. That's just because I expect the mo- the most out of out of people as as I do. Um, I hope they expe- expect the, the same out of me. Um, and you know what? Just being being assertive, being straight to the point is is the best way to communicate with your players on the field. You want them to literally not have to think just have that information go in they process it and then they react from that yeah it's really cool to hear somebody talk about um taking on that leadership role as a goalkeeper we touched a little bit about this before but i wanted to bring it up again because it was in your tiktok that i saw and i thought it was cool the one uh you answered a question somebody asked do you ever feel pressure as a goalkeeper and this is one of the more pressure-filled positions in sports you talked about it a little before, but maybe expand on it. How have what have you learned about and learn or what have you learned about yourself in handling pressure and what have you done to sort of limit it in your career? Yeah, I mean to start things out from a, a broader uh, you know perspective. I think you know when you're going out there, we're we're playing a college soccer game. I mean we have to we have to be realistic. Like 
in the grand scheme of things, the, the earth is going to be the same way as it is, whether I have the worst game of my life or the best game of my life. So I, I try to not to put too much pressure on myself. But but in, in regards to pressure, I think that that comes from, you know, um, w- you know, lack of confidence as well. When you feel a lot of pressure, it means that I think that you don't have a lot of confidence in yourself when you're doing something like, I don't know, writing your name or, uh, you know, you've done that a million times. You don't even think about it. But if you've never done that before, maybe you feel a bit of pressure. Maybe that's not a good example, but um, it just shows if, um, you know, you haven't done something to and you haven't tried to perfect that, you know, when you have to do it under a bit of a, you know, pressurized um, environment, you're gonna you're gonna feel a bit of that and so um i i think that you know it comes down to finding your weaknesses and proving them you will you will gain confidence from that and then you will feel less pressure yeah i think that is a a perfect answer you talked about you know keeping things in perspective especially at this level we see a lot of athletes who are capable of so much but they sort of come up short in big moments and having that perspective, I think, but probably definitely uh, helps you out a lot. And another cool thing about your videos is you do show when you make mistakes and social media, especially in sports, has sort of been made for people to show off their best work. I know me, like for broadcasting, I never put out when I mess up or anything like that. I'm looking for my best stuff to share with the world. And you see that a lot from athletes, too, like training videos or highlights. They're posting their best stuff. So when seeing the best of other athletes... Why do you think it's important for you to show when you do make mistakes? Yeah, I, I think it's because, you know, I, I try to be a genuine person. I'm not I'm not perfect. I'm going to make, you know, 100 mistakes. I'm going to make more mistakes. Um, and, and I think that it's important for people to know that, you know, those are going to happen. And, you know, you'd be lying to yourself if you, you didn't see that. And, and I think that comes down to, you know, self-accountability and 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 discipline again like i i'm not going to be perfect i try to be as perfect as i can um but you know those mistakes are going to come and you just have to show that you can play at the top level even while making mistakes of course you want to minimize those but it's going to happen and uh, i want to show especially because i do have a bit of a a a smaller following or or, sorry a younger following um they i i want to show them that you know you can play at the highest levels and you still make mistakes. So I, I, I think that's one of the reasons. And you know what? I'm I just don't really care that much. Like I if people see me make mistakes, it doesn't bother me. I, I don't mind. So that's that's really the reason. Yeah, it's, that's a neat perspective as well. And your main commitment obviously right now is soccer, but it does seem like you do have a knack for this social media thing. I mean, you put out good content, you got a good personality for it, you seem to have the right ideas about it, and also you know, what's interesting to people out there. Is this something that you want to continue to grow in? Obviously, it's sort of a hobby right now, but would you you say it's you're having a lot of fun with it? Do you want to keep doing it and keep growing your uh, TikTok presence? Yeah, I, I think that um, I, I would love to, you know, keep doing this. It's it's something that's super interesting to me because you can connect. I've already connected with with so many cool people just right. from the short time that I've, I've been on TikTok and stuff. But uh, yeah, I, I think it's something that that can bring you some great opportunities and meet some cool, like-minded people. Um, you know, with with social media these days, you know, you you can get such a broader reach on people. And and you know, maybe I wouldn't find someone in Teaneck, but maybe you know, in, in another state or across the world, you can find some really cool people that you can spend some really cool time with. So yeah, I think I think I'm gonna keep doing this as long as I as long as I can. Yeah. 
And I'll ask you one more question. So speaking of the future, we mentioned your time as a night is winding down. What do you hope to accomplish in these next few weeks? I have a pretty good idea of what I think you want to accomplish. But And what are your goals going forward in the soccer world? Do you have aspirations to continue playing after this year? Yeah, I, I mean, talking about the next couple of weeks, I mean, uh, I, I really think that, uh, you know, anything less than, uh, you know, NEC champs is, would be a failure to myself. And, um, you know, that's, that's really what we're going for right now. We're taking it game by game, action by action. And, uh, you know, if we do, if we do all the right things, um, you know, we will hopefully be victorious. Um, and, and, and thinking about the future a bit more, um, yeah, I I definitely want to keep playing soccer. That's, you know, I've done that my whole life. Um, whether that's going pro or, you know, staying some way in the game, um, you know, time will tell, depends, depends how I play, depends, you know, what opportunities arise, but, uh, definitely in, in the future, I'm, I'm definitely going to stay in soccer. Yeah. Well, Spence, thanks for coming on. It was great talking to you. I have to have you on again because yeah. I, I think there's you have a, a great perspective on not only soccer, it's somebody that's interesting to talk to about goalkeeping as well as the social media side again. So thanks uh, thanks for coming on. Yeah, no, it was, it was a great pleasure, and uh, hopefully I'm on again. It was a lot of fun. Thank you. And you can catch Spencer in action today against Drexel, 5 p.m. I'll let you uh, get out to that game, and then they are home for senior night. On November 2nd against LI, you can watch that on NAC Front Row or come out to University Stadium to support. And I'll put it in the uh, episode description as well. It's at Spence the GK on TikTok. Give him a follow. You will not regret it. We're going to take a one more break here on the Night Zone. When we come back, we're going to talk about the collapse of my Philadelphia Phillies. F-D-U. But now it's time to change the tune a little bit. If you've listened to the show before, you know I am a Philadelphia Phillies fan. And they fell last night in Game 7 of the NLCS to the Arizona Diamondbacks. Up 2-0 in the series. Up 3-2, heading home for Game 6 and 7. Lost both. Season over. Diamondbacks head to the World Series. Haven't talked about it since. Intentionally didn't really send out many texts last night except like, this is so sad or bummer. Didn't prepare any notes, so this is me just speaking right from the heart. I mean, I've it's, it's hard to put into words because when they win game two, 10-0, everybody in the city, and it almost seemed like the sports world, had written them with Sharpie, into the World Series. And I've seen my sports teams lose series that they shouldn't have. I've seen them come up short in the playoffs when I have higher expectations. But I'm not sure I've ever witnessed anything like that. Again, up 2-0 in the series. They win game 2 10 to 0. The vibes are great. The city is rocking. Everybody in the sports world sort of jumped on the Phillies bandwagon. Everybody started rooting for them because of how contagious their energy was. And then just like that, it flips. It's amazing that sports can do that. And that's 
baseball. I mean, I've seen so many takes this morning about what went wrong. What? How did they manage the bullpen in those games in Arizona? What should they have done differently? Should they have changed the lineup heading into last night? Unfortunately, I don't know the answer to that question. What I do know is that's baseball. Sometimes you have a bad week. I mean, how many times this year did we see the Phillies have two bad series in a row? You know, they drop four or five or something like that in the middle of July. And then it sort of happens at the worst possible time. And it did happen for them at the worst possible time. The Stars didn't show up in games six and seven at home. And pitching gave them chances to win. Both games really gave them a chance to win. Kept them in it. And this offense that was so home run dependent on the, in these playoffs could just never string together the hits they needed to. Ugh. I mean, it's tough to talk about. Like where... Again, just the flip from being so sure that this team was going to at least go to the World Series. And I mean, a lot of people thought they were going to roll right through it. They were playing so well, such contagious baseball. And just their lights got put out. And it's hard to explain. And as a sports fan, it's even tougher to digest. Yeah, there's always next year, but guess what? They're not always going to be up 2-0 in the NLCS. They're not always going to have games in 6-7 and seven at home. As Philly sports fans, I think we've been a little bit spoiled to see the Phillies in the World Series last year, the Eagles in the Super Bowl this year. Or I should say this past year. And the Phillies back in the NLCS. It, it, it feels like, oh, they'll be back, but will they? And that's what hurts the most. Will they be back? The core will be there. The talent's still there. But again, it's baseball. There's no guarantees. That's why this stings so bad. This was the team to win the World Series. Certainly feels that way. They had the starting staff. Wheeler was at the top of his game. Aaron Nola had delivered plenty of quality postseason starts. Got a little bit touched up in Game 6, but Ranger Suarez was solid. The offense was all clicking together. Even guys like Brandon Marsh were on fire. And they just had the energy they needed to make a postseason run. They They were hot at the right time. And something else... It seemed like they walked into the ballpark each night, at least for the first part of this postseason, with a sense of confidence over the other team. Like there was no way they were going to lose. That's rare. That is rare. And when it doesn't result in a World Series title, I just don't know how you get over that. I really don't. Unless this group does win a World Series, this has got to go down as one of the worst losses 
of my lifetime. I mean, they collapsed. Game six and seven at home. I'm sorry I keep repeating that. I'm just kind of using this as therapy right now to talk it all out to nobody in the room. It's just me. And I don't know if that's a healthy coping mechanism or not, but game six and seven at home in what has been propped up these last couple weeks is one of the best home field advantages in sports. And you come back. you lose both? Hmm. That's what sports do, man. I, I, I really don't know why we, we do this to ourselves. The emotions were so high after those first couple of games, and it just felt like all things were trending in the right direction. And then you just have it ripped out of you, and you're like, man, this is this is why sports are sports and why it's so hard to win. But also, I mean, we just have zero control over what happens, and it's a humbling reminder that no matter how things are going, the games still have to be played. Like in a weird way, I was sharpening my mind or sharpening the Phillies into the World Series in my mind just because of their energy and just because of the overall vibe that this team had. I was just thinking, like, oh, there's no way that they're gonna lose. Nothing to do with on field stuff. I mean, a lot to do with it, I should say. I shouldn't say nothing to do with it, but more so they just felt like this team of destiny in a sense. Like, oh yeah, I can picture the Philadelphia Phillies winning the World Series. I can't picture them losing to the Arizona Diamondbacks. And guess what? The Arizona Diamondbacks are going to the World Series. Why? Because they had a good approach to the plate with runners in scoring position. They got an awesome, and I mean awesome, series out of their bullpen, who absolutely shut down the Phillies' order. And that's the reminder. These games still have to be played, no matter the star power on either side, no matter what had happened in the game before. The Phillies needed to win two more games in this series, even after delivering a absolute walloping in game two. It didn't matter that the Phillies were electric. It didn't matter. That Citizens Bank Park brought this unbelievable playoff atmosphere. It didn't matter that the whole crowd sang Bryson Stott's walk-up song. It didn't matter that they had these awesome post-game celebrations. It didn't matter that Kyle Schwarber was saying that he he wouldn't go to war with anybody else. It didn't matter that they became media darlings. None of that mattered. None of it. Because they couldn't get guys in with runners in scoring position. Because they had a ton of swings and misses down the stretch. Because the bullpen folded at the most unfortunate times. So despite having an awesome win song and a great culture in the locker room, and what felt like a baseball team at the top of the world dominating Playoff game after playoff game. It just did not matter. And that is a humbling thing about sports, man. It didn't matter. None of it, like... You see so many people post on social media how much fun this run has been and all these little clips of the players doing fun celebrations. And in your mind, you're like, oh, yeah, of course this team is going to win the World Series. Of course they are 
Look how much fun they're having. Look how awesome they are. Look at the clubhouse atmosphere. And then you play the games, and they didn't get it done. The lineup went cold. Their best hitters came up short, and the Diamondbacks didn't. They were awesome. Credit to them. Credit to the Diamondbacks. But that is the thing about sports. Like, you can have all these things going for you, but the game still has to be played. And maybe that's why we love it. Maybe that's why sports are the best. They provide this unpredictability, something that you would never think happens, all of a sudden happens. But it's also the reason that the Phillies came up short in these 2023 and the MLB postseason. And I'm not sure where they go from here. A lot of questions this offseason. Arnola, free agent. Reese Hoskins, free agent. They've kind of thrown money at the at the team, so not many holes to address. But it's super unfortunate. It is super unfortunate. Credit to the Arizona Diamondbacks for coming into Citizens Bank Park and winning two games. I don't want to undersell how impressive that is, especially for a young group. And you can tell they sort of got their confidence back in Arizona, got their footing uh, beneath them, and then were able to parlay that into good performances in Philadelphia. It sort of took the fear of the Phillies out of them, but they were able to come back and win that game four. And Yeah, credit to them. They're going to play in the World Series. I'm, I'm happy for them, I guess. I'm not happy for me, though. Stinks. It really does stink. Well, I think I'm going to wrap it up. I don't really want to talk about this anymore, but thanks for uh, listening. That was a, a nice little therapy session for myself again. That was the first time I've talked about the Phillies, and yeah, it, felt, it, it, it did feel good to get that all out. But thanks for listening to Night Zone. It was a fun episode this week. Again, I'll put the Spencer's TikTok in the episode description if you want to follow him. Thanks for to him for following on. It's at Spence the GK. We'll be back next week with the Night Zone. We're going to talk some NEC playoffs. The women's soccer tournament will have begun by then. And I am hoping that we are going to talk some hoops because basketball season is here. All right. Thanks for joining us on the student voice of Fairleigh Dickinson University WFDUHD3. This has been the Night Zone for Charlie Carmetto signing off. We'll see you next week.